Hey y'all, and welcome to the next episode of Where All the Ladies At. I'm Kim, your friendly neighborhood history nerd, and this is a podcast where we talk about women in history that seem to have gotten forgotten or mm, minimized. Let's use the word minimized this week. I'm trying new things, trying new ways to introduce this podcast till I find just the right one that works for me and for you and hell at the moment in time. So there's not much to say at the beginning other than thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate everything and all the comments and everything it's really spurring me on to keep going because I really am passionate about this guys I really love this show and I really like doing this so uh, I don't want to get too flowery in the beginning so I'm just gonna say that if you want to reach out to me and discuss some of these lovely topics even further you can always hit me up on social media both on not both on TikTok, on Facebook as well as on Instagram and all of them are all the links and handles are in the description box so shoot me a line you can yeah, hell even send me an email I don't care message me through here whatever you want to do um, I just really look forward to chatting with you guys other than that there'll be some announcements at the end talking about some projects that are potentially upcoming and I think that's it so let's go ahead and get started this week we're talking about a mathematician I'm trying to change it up a little bit so we have differing times so we kind of have different discussions on what was going on for women although it does seem like as we're talking about what was going on for women in each and every area just seems to be the same old thing it's like god guys can you get a new record to play but it eventually there was a new record and the record was a little bit better than the old record and yeah i don't know if that's a good analogy or not but that's the one i'm going with this week you know all right when i talk about ancient greece and ancient times and any of the ancient world and i think mathematician if you're into history and or even you just saw the last season of The Happy Place with Kristen Bell, you may know the name Hypatia. And she was actually from Alexandria, but she had a lot to do with the Roman Empire and all of everything that was going on during that ancient time. And she's quite a unique uh, individual. So I thought, let's take a look at her. You know, maybe she was like the true, like one of the pioneers of the STEM group. You know, that's the science, technology, I don't know the whole acronym. I, I really don't. I'm not going to try to bullshit my way out of this one, you know, because I'm just kind of going off the cuff when we do these uh, introductions. There's no notes, basically. So that's what we're doing this week. We're talking about Hypatia of Alexandria, the mathematician and trailblazer who had a pretty horrible end. And when we get to it, you'll see why I'm, I'm like, oof, it was rough, man. It was not a pretty sight to behold. As always, we're going to start with looking what it was like at the time for her in the area as well as for women in general. So let's start by really diving into what it was like in the fourth and fifth century for just everybody in general. Uh, she was living in Alexandria in Egypt, but there was a wider geopolitical and cultural context because that was part of the Eastern Roman Empire or the Byzantine Empire, if you want to get technical. They all influenced her time quite quite impactfully. So the Roman Empire at this time in the 4th and 5th centuries was beginning to decline. It was undergoing a lot of change and there was internal strife and economic challenges and people from the outside were invading, especially those barbarians 
barbarian groups, gotta love those barbarians. They were getting in there and trying to, you know, cut back some of the land and take back what they felt was theirs. I'm not judging whatever. I don't know whose land was whose, but these barbarians seemed to think that the Roman Empire had encroached on their lands and they were trying to get back in. Along with this, the Roman Empire, because it had expanded so much, it was divided into Eastern and Western with the Eastern Roman Empire, as I said, being called the Byzantine Empire. Oh my Lord, my words are not working for me today. Um, and its capital was in Constantinople, which as we all know, uh, thanks to the lovely song, is now Istanbul, Turkey. And the, it continued to thrive. The Byzantine Empire or the Eastern part of the Roman Empire continued to thrive pretty, pretty decently for a while, but the Western Roman Empire was not having a good time. They were, they were not having a great, a great moment in the sun. But with that being said, the Byzantine Empire was economically pretty well off, but they were also having some, uh, you know, little conflicts, we'll say, with the Sasanian Persian Empire to the east. These, there was a lot of territorial disputes, there were power struggles, and so this caused some friction in the area and some instability, really, is what it caused. Along with that, the cultural and intellectual environment had changed a little bit, right? You still had the Hellenistic cultural legacy where everybody was still rooted in Greek philosophy and the concepts of their learning structures, and even more so in the Eastern Empire of the Romans because it was closer to Greece, right? And Alexandria, where Hypatia lived, had had its own rich intellectual culture, but also off the back of the, the Greek kind of concepts. But there was something that was happening that was beginning to change kind of how people viewed philosophy and education, and that was the rise of Christianity. Christianity had started to become a real dominant force, especially in the Eastern Roman Empire. And this really brought along a lot of theological debates, which play into philosophy quite frequently from, from this period in time going forward. Uh, there was formation of Christian doctrines and the influence of the church leaders had begun to grow. Now, another big portion of understanding what was going on in the world at this time was Neoplatonism. This was a philosophical movement that drew on the teachings of Plato and was very, very prominent during this time. And Hypatia herself was even associated with Neoplatonism. And if you read her teachings and her writings, you definitely see that reflected in them. There's there's no doubt she was a big, a big uh, Plato fan. And, you know, I, 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 I digress because I really want to go back to Christianity and what it meant for the religious structure previously of paganism. There was a lot of cultural and religious clashes between the Greco-Roman pagan beliefs and the the, the influence of Christianity, which was rising. And Alexandria, where Hypatia was, was a big center of these conflicts, you know, and Hypatia was a pagan philosopher. And I just want you to pay attention to that because it does play a part in her life going forward. And it's a significant part. That could be a spoiler alert. I'm not sure, but it's definitely something that caused a lot of tension in her life. And also a big part that was going on right now was a lot of social unrest and decline. We talked about the economic challenges. There was a lot of inflation and taxation, uh, and that contributed to social unrest, uh, political instability, because leaderships kept changing and there was power struggles, and the decline of urban centers. So the cities themselves, including Rome, was experiencing a decline in population, and be, that could be because of the economic struggles. It, it was just a very turbulent time for the world, you know, and it that really impacted her life, for sure, like I said, but also, like, just the the course of history in general, right? So 
I think as we go through these different women, you may see that there's some similarities in what was going on in the world during their lives. And that is always a, a powerful thing to keep in the back of your mind as we're really dissecting these women's lives. And speaking of women, now that we understand what was happening in the world at that time, we can jump into what the world was like for women like Hypatia to uh, navigate. And it was uh, not an easy navigation <laughs> for sure. You know, Hypatia lived in one of the most culturally, I'll say diverse and most intellectual cities. It's Alexandria, right? So when you think Alexandria, you think the Library of Alexandria. It's, it's always been kind of this educational and intellectual mecca in the old world. And it's not ancient Greece, but there is a definite Hellenistic culture that was present in Alexandria. And it that combined with a lot of different things played a part. So for women in this period of time, there was definitely, as always, limited educational opportunities. It wasn't usual for a woman to have as much education as Hypatia had. But Hypatia was a bit of an exception because she, you know, she had she had somebody in her corner that was said, no, you have to do this. Because honestly, women were primarily expected. And here's a big shocker, guys. I know you're going to be hold your hold your hat, sit down, grab yourself a glass of water. This could be it could be very, very fucking shocking to you. But women were expected to fill domestic roles. That's right. And you manage household, have them babies, you know, do everything else. But, uh, you know, it was not it was frowned upon for a woman to have education actually and to get out there and you know defy those gender roles so it was very very crazy uh marriage was the big the big step in a woman's life you know next up would be probably having kids and as usual the women oftentimes had no say in the matter it was arranged and it was more about social and economic issues as we've seen in the past episodes, that seems to be the going trend, I guess. Because women really had limited legal rights and, you know, they were the charges of their male guardian in everything. So their, <laughs> their men took care of them and, and owned them, basically. It's pretty much how it felt, you know? As the other big aspect in life, especially for everyone, was religion, right? Well, religion for women was a part of their everyday life. They were associated with many of the religious practices, and you know, which was amazing, but also you know, a little uh, put baby in the corner kind of idea, right? So either you were at home uh, taking care of the kids and cooking and cleaning, or you were at church praying. That's pretty much your options. And it was a very, uh, liberal uh not liberal uh it was a conservative for what we might think of when we think of those times you know i'm sure like a lot of us think togas and drinking and no at this time that wasn't like that women were expected to be covered and it was very modest they were not meant to show too much skin they were meant to stay quiet look pretty and do their jobs that was pretty much it social wise women's were confined to the immediate family and even some like female friends that maybe they met out when they were buying groceries i I don't know like they, they just had a limited social circle and and it, and that's it because when it came to political participation they had no well I'll say minimal involvement in political affairs and so you can see that it was a very constrictive environment and so to have this woman who had such an impact on the world and had such a brilliant mind you know was amazing but also it put her in a pretty precarious situation and, and as we talk about her life which is what we'll start doing here in a minute you'll see that that precarious situation had a very a very big impact on her and the people around her too 
So now let's jump into her life, right? Let's talk about everything that happened in her life. And the the thing with her life is because it is so violent time, it's not really extensively documented. And what what I could find and what's been accounted really is written as historical documents centuries after her death. So there's a lot of conflicting information. And so you have to weed through all that to try to like put together the puzzle of her life. She was, she's thought to be born somewhere around 360 CE, CE and in Alexandria, Egypt. She was a, a daughter of a pretty prominent mathematician, astronomer, Theon of Alexandria. And this guy, you know, I have to give him credit because a lot of dads and a lot of guys at this time would not have raised their child the way he did, but he really thought education was a big part of life. He felt like she needed education. So he made sure she got it. She received a thorough education from her father. He was, he provided solid foundations in mathematics and astronomy and philosophy, which were subjects that women weren't mm, altogether privy to. I would say probably some of the higher class probably got basic instruction, even as a female, at least with philosophy, maybe not, not mathematics and astronomy, but she got it all. And she studied like the big guys, like she was studying classical Greek philosophers like Plato and Aristotle, which as we talked about earlier, really is why she found her home with with Plato. And actually, uh, one of the big things that impacted these learning centers, which Alexandra was one of the major learning centers of that world at that time, was the closing of the Platonic Academy in Athens. And it really, really, it really, shook the foundation of the intellectual scene like it just was so different you know but even still she found a, a kinship with the writings and the teachings of Plato and so eventually in the early 5th century is kind of what everybody assumes Hypatia actually began her career and that's right so at this time where women didn't have careers other than you know wife and maybe um, we're going to use the term lady of the night which I don't know if I like but I'm trying to not say horrible things so you know well what the fuck I who cares you know either you were a, a homebody or you were a hooker like I, that was really like the major careers for women at that time or at least that's kind of how I look at it I'm sure there was other careers but kind of the big two she began teaching uh, and becoming a lecturer in Alexandra period uh, she started and, and she was so good at it that suddenly this woman who shouldn't have been doing what she was doing started attracting students students and she attracted them from a wide range of backgrounds like not just the upper elite but everybody everybody wanted to come in so she began teaching more and more she taught mathematics and astronomy and philosophy and she really I think it had a lot to do with her charisma. She was very charismatic from all the writings that I could find and, and people were just drawn to her. And because she was so knowledgeable and she was a good educator, it became more and more prevalent. Like she was more and more prevalent in society, but things were about to change. So about 415 CE, things started to get a little rocky in Alexandria. And what I mean by that, it was there was a big political and religious tension happening. Uh, Christians were on the rise, paganism was a big deal, and Hypatia, of course, was, I don't wanna say on the wrong end of the stick, cause I think you should worship whoever you want, and I myself am not of a traditional 
suit, but she was a pagan and she was a prominent pagan philosopher. And because of this, with the rise of Christians and Christianity, there was a lot of religious zealots and they thought one of the ways they could tamp down paganism in their world was to get rid of pagans, which, you know, it happened all across the globe at that time with Christian with Christianity blooming and everything. And so they thought, why better a time to do this than Lent? So it was Lent season in 415 and Hypatia, you know, once again, let me repeat, this is kind of just piecemealed. So I don't have the exact details. I wish I could go into f more detail on, well, not, I don't really wish. It just would be good for you guys so that you guys got an idea. But in the end, Hypatia was attacked by a mob and it, it was obviously most likely 99.999% a part of the Christian community. This this beautiful, charismatic, intelligent woman was dragged through the streets and brutally killed. But that, it didn't stop there. They, they couldn't just leave it at like dragging her through the streets and killing her. No, 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 no. They also had to mutilate her body. And I, I, I get, you, you I, I, from their point of view, they were making a point, but also like, <sighs> You know, some historical the, the, some historical accounts suggest that this violent act was, uh, you know, not they, some play it down, some make it more. But honestly, a woman being drugged through the streets and brutally killed and mutilated is never a something to be played down. I I don't care what you thought of her. Like I think it's important to realize that she's a human being and and she was making people better by discussing things that were evolving at the time that would eventually down the road lead to amazing things. So her tragic death really, it, it marked the end of an era in the uh, intellectual scene in Alexandria. Her murder is often cited as a symbol of the tension between the two factions. And, you know, the thing is, here's the thing. Despite her, her demise, and, and it was untimely, and she was not very old, Hypatia got a, a one-up on those guys because her legacy endured. Her teachings and writings, though most of them lost history, they left a lasting impact on a lot of people. And, and it, the development of mathematics and philosophy. Later scholars, like big scholars, like Simplicius and Isidore of Miletus, they really praised her contributions to not only Neoplatonism, but mathematics as well. Her life and death, are, you know, are so very interesting to me. And if only we had more, like, it's, it, I feel like that's going to be a common thing with this, because I, I think if we knew more about her and we had more concrete historical documents, we could really dive in. But all we have are, you know, notable sources like Damasius, uh, Socrates, Scholasticus, I love their names, and a couple other scholars that really kept her legacy alive, I guess. It is, I, for me, her story is kind of this reminder of the challenges that women face and still face to this day and age in male-dominated industries and, and religious circles for sure. But in the end, her contributions are something that has inspired people. They inspire me. I think it'd be really cool to see a movie about her. And of course they'd have to do take liberal license because there's a lot of like gaps, but it could be a pretty cool movie. And I, I, I just think more people need to know about her. And that's why I'm doing this podcast. So that's Hypatia guys. Like it, it was short and sweet, but, and well not sweet, Lord help me. That was the wrong terminology. It was short. <laughs> Let's just say it was short, but I, I hope that it, she, you know, 
her life inspires you a little bit. And with that said, now we're gonna be moving on to, uh, I'm gonna call these the Fast Five. I know that's horrible. I don't know if I can do that actually. There might be a patent on that. Uh, let's say the Five Fast Five, Fast Five Facts. How about that? Fast Five Facts, uh, the FFF. And just to give you a little more insight into Hypatia and uh, who she was. All right, guys, ready for the FFF? Uh, it's kind of fun to say the Fast Fast Five, fa fast five Facts. Woo, that's gonna be fun to say. All right, guys. So my very first one, and, and once again, let me repeat, these are all kind of just piecemealed and there's no for sure that any of these are factually accurate, but there have been writings that talk about these things. So uh, apparently Hypatia had a big green thumb. Apart from her uh, intellectual pursuits, she really was into botanical studies. So she was, I mean, that makes sense, right? Pagans used herbs and everything for rituals and for medicine. So having a green thumb is probably pretty handy. Andy. Also, so she was reportedly skilled in designing and the construction of water clocks. That's kind of a unique thing, right? It Water clocks were important back then. That's a skill to have. She could have fallen back on that if, you know, the philosophy thing didn't work out. Also, she wasn't all about academics. Hypatia was also said to be very musically inclined. Some writings have her being able to play the hydraulis, which is like a water-powered organ. That's pretty, pretty dope. But I see a theme here, water, earth, air, water, fire. Also, she was big on knowledge, right? But she also was an inventor. She was known to tinker with things and create various gadgets and devices, really, which really showed that she had a very, almost an engineer's mind, right? She, she had an engineer, not almost, she had an engineer's mind. That's why mathematics and astronomy probably became so easy for her was because she had that type of thought. And lastly, and I'm gonna use this as kind of a, a closeout, uh, she was kind of like an ancient like Oprah, you know, the star of the time, right? So she was popular, not just with the academics, but a, a broad fan base. People from all walks of life attended her lectures. You know, she was a bit of a celebrity. She was she was the it girl of the time. And maybe that's why she was such a big target when everything started happening. Who knows? All right, guys, that's it for Hypatia of Alexandra. What an amazing woman who just had an amazing mind. And unfortunately, she was uh, alive at the wrong time. You know, I don't think now she would have be drugged through the street and killed and mutilated she might be shunned a little bit there may still be some like sexism involved but I don't think it would definitely get that violent so I just think sometimes what would happen if these brilliant minds were born during a different time what would have changed but then again thinking like that doesn't change anything and also I think that it was important for her to be alive at that time to show other women that things could change and that they had the potential to do these things even though it would take centuries before women would actually be able to do it on the regular it still was a sign for them that said hey this is amazing and look at what you, we can do if you have the the drive and the passion do it and I think that's what her story tells me is like if you have a passion and a drive and you feel your calling that's what you should do don't let society and don't let what people think or what they think you should be or how you think they think whatever you don't let other people tell you how to be you I think that's what her story tells me and although it had a tragic ending uh, she left a mark and that's something amazing all right guys that's it for this week like I said in the beginning if you want to get a hold of me check out my socials in the description box shoot me an email there is as I said in the last episode a bunch of stuff coming down the pike February is gonna be pretty damn interesting I'm super stoked by it and like I said 
there is a ton of stuff about to happen. I'm having so much fun doing this and I wanna thank you guys for all your good feedback and all your listens and, and just taking the time out to listen to this history nerd ramble about things that, you know, I find fascinating and hopefully you do too. All right, y'all, see you next time.